Chapter Nine of A Winter of Content by Laura Lee Davidson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. We are at the very heart of winter now. It is Le Grand Fret that I have been secretly dreading, and all my ideas of it are changing as the quiet days go on. Winter in the woods has always seemed to me the dead time, the season of darkness and loneliness and loss. I find it only the pause before the birth of a new year. If I break off a twig, it is green at the heart. When I brush away the snow, the moss springs green beneath it. Close against the breast of the meadow lie the steadfast evergreen rosettes of the plantain, sorrel, moth mullein, and evening primrose, waiting in patience for the melting of the snow. I never dip a pail into the hole in the ice without bringing up a long trailer of green waterweed or a darting, flitting little whirligig beetle, the gyrinus somewhat less lively than in summer to be sure but still active and alert there is a big fresh water clam lying at the bottom of the waterhole he breathes and palpitates lolling out a soft pink body from the lips of a half-open shell yes winter here is only a slumber and everything is stirring in its sleep they all proclaim again the old old covenant made with the perpetual generations that promise of the sure return of seed time and harvest cold and heat summer and winter and day and night that shall not cease while the earth remains the colors of winter are slate blue and gray laid on a background of black and white the chickadees and nuthatches wear them black velvet caps gray coats white waistcoats in the mornings long slate blue shadows stretch away from the points of all the islands and every smallest standing weed casts its tiny blue shadow across the snow the ice is darkly iridescent, like the blue pigeon's neck and head. The dawn comes late, the sun sets early, and in the twilight the mice steal out from the woods and climb up and down on the window screens, little misty gray blurs moving swiftly against the soft gray dusk. Through the long evenings, when supper is over, the curtains drawn and the long sides of the big box stove glowing red, I read and think and dream. All the while the timbers of the house crack and snap with the cold the trees twist and creak in the wind and the ice groans and mutters now and again it gives a long sigh as though some heavy animal were imprisoned under it and were struggling to escape imagine him heaving at it with a great shoulder grunting as he pushes and sinking back to rest before pushing again late in the night comes a long roar as though the beast had broken forth and were calling to his mate most people undress to go to bed here i undress and dress again putting on heaviest woolen underwear long knit stockings flannel gown and sweater over all i creep into bed and lie between flannel sheets and under piled blankets and throw a fur coat across the foot in preparation for that first hurried dash across the room at dawn there is only one anguish moment in the twenty-four hours it is when the fire has burned out and the cold wakes me my movements then are reduced to the least possible number almost with one motion i spring out of bed fling the window shut tear back the whole top of the stove throw in fresh logs put on the coffee pot then scurry back to bed to doze until the cabin warms there is not the least trouble about keeping my stores cool the problem is to prevent their freezing the potatoes and eggs freeze in the very room with me a pot of soup set in the outer vestibule is a hard block from which I crack a piece with the axe when I wish a hot supper. The condensed milk is hard frozen. 
the canned plum puddings rattle about in their tins like so many paving stones and it takes all day to heat them early in december i laid a jagged bit of ice on the corner of the porch and there it lies its shape quite unchanged through weeks of bitter weather there is an inch or two of ice over the waterhole every morning when i go to fill the pails i take the little axe along to chop my cistern open but gradually the walls of ice close in and about once a week someone must cut me a fresh waterhole in another spot on the lake the drying of the weekly wash is a most perplexing thing clothes hung outside the house freeze immediately of course if they are hung inside the room is filled with their steam my only plan is to heat the cabin red hot hang them indoors bank the fire for safety and take to the lake or go a-visiting for a certain number of clean clothes one must have if only to keep one's self-respect this morning i woke so stiff with cold that i was almost afraid to move in bed lest a frozen finger or toe should drop off there was no more sleep so cowering over the stove i watched the sunrise more augustly beautiful than i have ever seen it the bright crescent of last month's moon hung point downward on a sky of mouse-gray velvet over it stood the morning star along the eastern horizon lay a line of soft brightness that glowed through a veil of gray gauze very slowly this bright line widened while the snowfield grew slate blue then purple and the jagged tree line of the forest stood out in silhouette black pine cedars and hemlocks against a yellow sky trees and bushes near at hand stole out from the shadows patterns of black lace against the white ground and sharply visible the horizon line was now tinged with red the sky was changing to a tender yellow-gray shading to pale green as it neared the zenith the paling moon hung now against a background of rose and saffron the star still blazed above it like a lamp until suddenly a fiery streak appeared on the horizon and star and moon faded away before the red disk of the sun toward noon the cold was less intense and i ventured out to get some long-delayed mail at the farm not a bird was abroad not a rabbit track lay on the paths in fur coat fur hood and high rubber boots i ploughed away across the lake where the level snow knee-high drifted in over the tops of the boots and formed an icy crust around my stockinged feet at the farm i learned that the thermometer at loon lake station had registered thirty-five degrees below zero at seven o'clock that morning even then in the sun on the blake's south porch it stood at twenty below at home in the afternoon all my little pensioners were out to greet me the white-breasted nuthatch was clinging head down on a birch pillar his head twisted back at a neck dislocating angle showed his black cap perched over one eye and gave him an indescribably rakish disreputable appearance yank yank he observed irritably as though to chide me for keeping him waiting so long for food the air was full of the plaintive winter notes of the chickadees. Peter the rabbit was sitting hunched against the kitchen door, a forlorn little figure. The feeding of my livestock has become quite a large part of the duty of each day. The rabbit waits at the door for his slice of bread, and if that door is left ajar, he is apt to hop inside and help himself to anything he finds standing on the hearth. The squirrel has his toast and cold potato on the woodpile. The birds their crumbs. The bushes present a very odd appearance, hung with bits of bacon rind for the chickadees. The other night there came another little boarder, in the person of a very small deer mouse, that slipped into the cabin and fell down between the wire screen 
and the lower casement of the north window between the netting and the window frame there is space enough to make a very satisfactory runway for a very tiny mouse and there he cowered peering at me with terrified bright eyes the window panes open in on hinges like a french casement so my first impulse was to shut the upper half and keep him prisoner knowing that if he once ran at large in the house i could never catch him and that he would make havoc among the stores he looked so hungry trembling there with his tiny pink hands clasped on his breast that i dropped him down a bit of bacon then he shivered so piteously that i dropped also a fluff of absorbent cotton which he seized and instantly made into a little eskimo hut this he placed in the corner best sheltered from the wind turned its door and toward the glass and retired closing that opening with a bit of cotton and i saw him no more by day a deer mouse is the prettiest little beast imaginable somewhat smaller than the house mouse and with very large eyes his fur is dark brown very soft and thick and with a darker streak along the spine his breast is white his legs white too ending in tiny pink paws with wee fingernails the exact size of the eye of a number five needle his ears are long and fringed with black his head very much like the head of a doe he is nocturnal in habit staying up in the morning until after his breakfast and mine then retiring for the day to come out at twilight and run up and down the window screen for exercise so long as i keep this window closed he can't get out and i study him through the glass at my leisure whoever sees a deer mouse at home walking through the stubble field one sometimes starts one and away he goes like a flash here i have this little wild thing living in my house apparently quite content he shall stay as long as he seems well and happy when i think he is pining he shall go free but he is quite as well off in his little hut as he would be in the cast-off verio's nest that is in all probability his winter home snow drifts in and covers it to be sure but he seems snug and warm and is growing sleek and fat on a diet of bacon and apple since the coming of the ice i find that i must keep more cooked stores on hand not only for myself and for the birds and beasts but for the frequent visitors that come driving up the lake to the door they race along the ice in sleighs and buggies and stop on the island when they come they stay to the next meal so there must be materials for a party always ready it is only fair to state that the rule works quite as well the other way around for i am always welcome to drop in at any house near which i happen to be at meal-time any passing guest may draw his chair to the table and partake of what is set thereon no apologies are offered for the food it may be only a pot of tea and a biscuit but whatever it is you are welcome and that by your leave is hospitality oh many islands place of the good neighbors i close my eyes to see picture after picture passing across the screen of memory there is henry blake giving his time and labor that my house may be warm and weatherproof there is mary blake with daily gifts of good things to eat and counsel for my inexperience i see the little fishing boats bobbing against the rocks as the men stop to the island to throw me off a bass and some silver herring as they pass with the day's catch there are john bolock's two little girls scrambling through the bushes to bring me some venison when father has killed a deer and i see anna jackson putting a big jug of maple syrup in the sleigh that brings me home on a sunday i see too granny drapeau's earnest old face as i hear her say eh but i was feared for you last night when the wind blowed so strong 
i couldn't sleep for thinking of you all alone on that island come daylight i says to andy look over and tell if you can see her smoke for if ever that smoke is not arisen i'll send one of the men over to see what's wrong daily kindnesses daily acts of friendliness for the stranger woman who came from nowhere to stay a while and will go away they know not where end of chapter nine